you're listening to Mr. Radio, and I'm your host, Marshall. Today's guest grew up in El Paso, Texas, where, in his own words, the desert southwest and the mountains of southern New Mexico left an indelible impression on his soul. The recipient of six Texas Music Awards, including Song of the Year for the title cut on his album, Find Your Shine, he was also a new folk finalist at the Careville Folk Festival in 2000. It was 2013 when I first became fully immersed in the Texas music scene while recording an early Mr. Radio episode at the Picker Circle in Luckenbach, Texas. Then I finally understood why many critics say that all the best singer-songwriters come from Texas. In fact, one reviewer for Americana Magazine, when writing about my guest, stated that some may argue against this fact, but it's true. The dissenters are wrong. Towns Van Sant, Guy Clark, Steve Earle, Lyle Lovett, Butch Hancock, Joe Ellie, Nancy Griffith, Willie Nelson, the names go on. And now there's one more to add to the list, Kevin Higgins. It is my honor to introduce today's guest, Kevin Higgins. Welcome to the show, Kevin. Thanks for having me, Marshall. You grew up in El Paso, and we opened our show with West Texas Aggregate from your album, Find Your Shine. How many of those lyrics reflect your memories or, or feelings for your hometown? Well, that whole record was basically a retrospective of growing up there. Yeah, it's, it's about as true as I can be to myself and the times. You told me earlier that your father was a descendant of hard luck Irish and your mother was a descendant of the Ojibwe Potawatomi, the people of the fire from the Great Lakes region, and that your great-great-grandmother walked the trail of death from Indiana to Oklahoma. Did either of your parents or their backgrounds influence your music? Obviously, the Irish part of me. (laughs) I mean, a lot of the music that's Irish, it's always pining for uh, home and mourning for a lost loved one. So there's a lot of sadness in my music. I think I got that from my dad's side. As far as my Native American Indian heritage, it's always been kind of something we just kind of keep kind of private and to ourselves because it's such now it even more so it's become a really politically charged thing to say you're it's a real sensitive area for a lot of people to talk about people of color. And I'm I got my dad's Irish in me, you know, I don't look uh, Native American at all, but I belong to the tribe. And what that has done for me is had for me and my family is we have this great compassion for people who come out of horrible situations. All people, black people, Jewish people, all people that have had to strive and overcome their oppressors. I believe that you told me earlier that your parents didn't really encourage your musicianship. Is that true? We're like from hard scrabble, blue collar people. And for me to have this pie in the sky dream to be a musician, they saw this as the wrong road for me to go down. And I fought them tooth and nail with it and they didn't support it. They didn't offer any financial support. And my dad's was deal was, we don't have any lawyers in the family. You can't get the music industry without a lawyer. Because they didn't support you, you ended up having to take all kinds of jobs. You had, you told me you had at least over 30 different job descriptions. You, you were a carny, a mater d', a, a ranch hand, a receptionist, a cable installer, a dispatcher, a bar manager, a construction worker, a grocery store manager, a courier, a chauffeur. It, it goes on and on. And you also met a lot of people in all walks of life. How did those experiences help you in uh, creating uh, your songs? I think that's very significant because I met these people and I heard their stories. And that's basically I'm comparing their lives to my life. And when I write, I'm trying to fit myself into 
a demographic of the people who are not spoken for. Pop music doesn't do a very good job of representing what most people are struggling with. It's more of a distraction, whereas with my music, I like to make it about a connection that we can make. So I've been there with where some of these people have been. I work right alongside them. So I know what it's like to be from a working class family and the struggles that that brings about. And yeah, I, I wouldn't trade it for nothing. There's a couple of jobs I would never want to do again, but I wouldn't trade the experience for nothing. For example, what job wouldn't you ever want to do again? I worked at a racetrack. Uh, I, I, I won't mention their name, but I just saw them um, ejecting horses with stuff and, you know, horses dying because of these injections. And it, I just, uh, you know, of course, I was shoveling horse, you know, excrement all day, too. So, you know, that wasn't. I love the horses, though. Love the horses. Just didn't like the way they were treated. Well, you had to love horses being in Texas, didn't you? Isn't oh, yeah. that a given? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my sister had a horse. She got, when she was older than me, she got a horse as soon as she could get up in the saddle. So, yeah, we had horses. Now, you write about a lot of cities and towns, especially in Texas. And one of them is Monahan's Texas, a track in Find Your Shine. I'd like to play that, but could you introduce it for us? I used the title because it's a Guy Clark's where Guy Clark's from. And also I ran out of town once uh, all angry and I got my car to start driving. I was pretty young. And I got as far as uh, Penwell, Texas, which is outside of Monhans. I turned around and went back because I didn't have any money. I was just, you know, I cooled down by that time and realized I was making a big mistake. So yeah, that's uh, that's how Monahans came to be. Let's take a listen to Monahans. All right. Slipping dollars in the jukebox Playing ZZ Top and Merle Sipping lemon Dr. Peppers And my sweet West Texas girl And we step out into the desert sun And curse where we came from Then we'd ride to the Rio Grande think about it, the less I understand, you grab a hold of something good and it'll slip right through your hands. Will you catch me if I fall, or will you sit and watch me crawl, through fire and a burning sand all the way to Monahans? That was Monahans from the album Find Your Shine, performed by my guest, Kevin Higgins. In 1999, you formed the Cosmic Dust Devils, and in 2001, the city of Austin proclaimed Cosmic Dust Devils Day. Can you tell me a little bit about the Dust Devils? Uh, I think that's AKA Kevin Higgins and Barbara. Right. It started off as uh, after my dad passed away. It left me a small inheritance, so I took that money to buy a Martin D35 and go in the studio and record. And I used people who I knew and my circle of friends to be on the record. And then we just started that band from there because they were all on the record, my solo record. So when I did, we did a Cosmic Dust Devils record, it was just a natural transformation, you know? And um, yeah, we just started playing all over and caught the, the eye of uh, some good people. I mean, they, they helped, they saw merit in what we were doing. We took off and ran with it, you know? Who were some of the uh, musicians on this album? Well, of course, Barbara, and then um, Hillary Smith, who's still performing down in Austin, Mark Tokach, fabulous guitarist. Then we had some guest spots coming here and there, but nobody of big notoriety because we were just kind of, 
the up and comers at that time in Austin. So we weren't well connected. Of course, that changed later on. You know, you meet more people and you're like, wow, you'd really play on my record. But um, back then, I was just like happy to have my friends in the studio, which I think that translated on the record as well. And were they part of the Tipsy Gypsies? No, no, no. That was something when Barbara and I first got to um, Austin, we put a band together with a guy that we knew in California who followed us out here follow us out there still feel like i'm in austin sometimes we put this band together it was a horrible blues bar band i mean it was a lot of fun but it was more drinking than playing and um yeah it was a short-lived now do you categorize your music as country and western texas blues how, how would you categorize your music <laughs> yeah i was thinking about that barbara's putting together a band camp page for me so of all my back catalogs can start going up online and i was like trying to think of something clever and i said i think it's flyover country and uh, steel toe boot gaze. I like that. Steel toe. <laughs> All right. In 2003, and I think for the following 13 years, you hosted the Coastal Bender, a fan appreciation festival in Port Aransas, Texas. What was that venue like? It was used to be a small fishing village with a huge drinking problem. And now it's like a big fishing village with a bigger drinking problem. And it's the way I'll always remember. Barbara and I got married there. It's just being this like really cool place that people went to go unwind and we got married there. So it was a great party. And we went and played and jam with a friend of mine whose band was playing and um, people were going, God, I wish we could do that every year, you know? And uh, so we said, okay, we'll start doing it every year then. But, you know, so Barbara and I never really had an anniversary alone. We always went with a whole group of our friends. And so was this a festival with different groups playing or? Uh, we'd have just, uh, we'd invite like some of our friends to play on Friday night, we play on Saturday night. It wasn't a big thing for the music. It was more about the people. I have some questions about your album, Gathering Dust. Uh, you had legendary photographer Carl Dunn helped you to create the cover art for your album, Gathering Dust. And as my listeners know, I'm not only interested in listening to the music on an album, but I'm also intrigued by the album artwork. Can you tell us a little bit about how this album artwork came about? I had the song already written, Gathering Dust, and it just came up in conversation. That's a great name for a, name for a title, you know. And we just already dropped the cosmic, and we were just the Dust Devils at that time because we were going to Nashville, and the producer thought Nashville might be offended by the whole cosmic thing. So that's a longer story. Um, but anyway, yeah. Uh, we, uh, I had already known Carl. And so I just said, I got this picture, uh, you know, it's on the national archives of Dust Bowl pictures. And I got, I got this picture. I'd like to use it for the cover. And it kind of gave him some sketches of what I wanted to do. And Carl just took it and ran with it and did a, an amazing job. As you say, you, you recorded Gathering Dust in Nashville, Tennessee. And this album went on to win four Texas Music Awards for Best Album, Best Song for Walk On, Best Duo Group, and Best Female Vocal for Your Wife Barbara. I'd like to play Walk On, which uh, was the Texas Music Awards 2006 Song of the Year. You want to introduce it for us? Walk On, I wrote on a just hurriedly on a piece of paper. It was a stream of consciousness thing. It got recorded because we had like five minutes left in the studio and we put it at the tail end of that record. And I never expected to have the Take the walk that it took. It went a long way. Let's take a listen to Walk On. Sometimes as you go through life, you'll turn a corner and go down a ways. Stop at a convenience store and pick up a few things for no particular reason other than it seems like a good idea at the time. You purchase an eyeglass repair kit and some Rolaids, 
thinking they might come in handy in the future. You walk on a ways and turn a corner. Decide to look around at the thrift store and buy yourself an old western shirt with some pearl snaps, thinking that it might be nice to wear out one night to a derailer show sometime in the future. You walk on a ways and turn a corner. Stop off at the music store for some guitar strings because one of the certainties in life is that inevitably a guitar string will break and if you wanted to play on five strings, you'd have picked up the banjo or the bass. You walk on a ways, turn a corner. That was the Texas Music Awards 2006 Song of the Year Walk On performed by my guest, Kevin Higgins. As I mentioned earlier, you've held over 30 different job descriptions, but one that we haven't discussed yet was when in 2004 you worked on a mockumentary, A Day Without a Mexican. What was your role in that film? Just my song. My publicist was also good friends with the producer, was Sergio Arau, and um, they, he just said, hey, can we use this song in your record? And I was like, sure. I mean, on their app movie and i was like yeah um that'd be great and i didn't know it was going to pop up as much as it did in the movie it was pretty at the time it was like uh, pretty uh the movie itself was just kind of in, in intimidated people because it said on this they had a billboard in la that said on this day there'll be no more mexicans and the whole premise of the movie was that one day all the mexican people in california go they disappear and there's nobody to feed the governor's kids and the lawnmowers or i mean lawn Leaf blowers are going around in circles by themselves and stuff. It's it was hilarious. Was it controversial? Oh, definitely, definitely. You know, just to say that there's this movie come out that where all the Mexican people disappear, it was in itself kind of controversial. But that's Sergio. And yet, I saw some clips of it. It makes a lot of sense, and it makes a point for what's happening today in in society. Oh yeah, it's been happening for for a long time. I started a new segment for my show, and it's called Fan Questions. We got a number of fan questions here. Uh, are you ready to handle some fan questions? All right. Do I have to, the, the ability to pass? <laughs> well, well, we'll see. I grade, <laughs> grade it on a curve, you know. So. All right. I so, know some pretty smart acalogy people. That's why I'm saying. <laughs> you apparently have a lot of fans in Texas. And Cindy writes two questions. One, how is upstate New York affecting your Texas music? It makes me pine for Texas a lot more than since I'm not there, but it also opens up a whole new perspective for me because I never knew winter till I moved up here. Never. She I also wants now. to know if you're ever going to tour in Michigan again. Well, we had it all set up last summer. And of course, you know what happened last summer. We were going to do house concerts and lighthouses. It was, uh, we love Michigan. Yeah. Soon, Cindy. And her final question for you is, she would like you to talk about your conversation with Barbara on the precipice of the Grand Canyon. And she says <sighs> that this was the beginning of a powerful musical duo. It was the, this powerful emotional bond between them and in the lyrics that pulled us into their music. Barbara and I were on this madcap trip. We were leaving L.A. It was 94, and there was an earthquake that said, told both of us it's time to leave Los Angeles. So... Um, we just met and really good friends, but we were also kind of interested in one another. We took this trip across de all the way to Austin to go check out there as a place to live, introduced her to my family. Then we drove up uh, through Four Corners. It's a wonderful day, um, two weeks, I mean. And we get to the Grand Canyon, hoping to get there by sunset. Sun's going down, never going to get into the park by sunset. 
So we stop at this little place called Little Colorado Gorge. We start having this conversation about everything, all the stuff that really matters. And um, just feel this really strong connection with her. And I turned to her and I said, I think I might be falling in love with you. And she looked at me and goes, well, get back with me when you know for sure. And obviously you did. That, oh, yeah. I was like, oh, perfect answer. Yeah. <laughs> We have a, a final, actually, this is two questions, and this was uh, someone who called in, and uh, this might be a little difficult, this question. I mean, the second part of it might be a little difficult. Let's, let's see if you can handle this one. All right. Hi, this is Mary Shank in Bandera, Texas, and my question for Barbara and Kevin is a pretty simple one. When... Will you be bringing yourselves and your wonderful music back to Texas? We miss you, and we sure do miss your music. On a slightly larger subject, um, this country has been through some major upheavals in the last couple of years, and uh, we have some very deep divisions. Do you see music as a possible unifying force for not only this country, but for the world? Is it possible, in your opinion, that music can help bring us together? In the meantime, uh, wishing both of you well. And again, we miss you a lot here in Texas. Mary Shank, Bandera. It's good to hear Mary's voice again. Uh, regarding getting back to Texas as soon as we can, I mean, right now, nobody's going anywhere. So, um, it's still on our radar, Mary. Don't worry about it. We're just still sorting through things. You get halfway across the country and then you got to turn around and go back. It's pretty daunting, but we're figuring it out. As far as music, having a unification element to it, I sure hope so. I sure hope that still works. I've seen it become more and more divisive over these last years. I decided to pull away from that. I didn't get in social media. If anybody's been trying to keep up with me, I seldom deal with that anymore because it's just a bunch of people snipping at each other. Um, but what I've been working on and writing, I think, I hope will have that kind of healing aspect. That's what I think that's what music is, is good medicine. As long as, as long as we don't use it to like prop up an agenda, just let it be what it is, a human condition that's addressed through music. I will give you an A plus for all your answers. Thanks, Marshall. <laughs> Appreciate it. You told me that Corporate downsizing forced your folks to move away and sell off your family home, and with no roots, you became a tumbleweed. And as you wrote, you got hung up on the barbed wire fences of drugs, alcohol, and bad relationships. Can you tell our listeners about this phase of your life? And was this why you was this the reason why you dropped out of the public arena? That was a long time ago. That was I was in my twenties. I've been in a couple of bands. I was kind of like hoping to um, break out. I was playing guitar in some bands and um, they imploded and egos and stuff like that. And I just didn't feel like playing music anymore. So I got, I did the worst thing you could possibly do is I started just hanging out with people who like to party, got myself a job as a bar manager. So I never got to bed before four o'clock anyway. So you need stimulants to stay awake for that. I was, you know, that's back in the days when you could go drink all night or as, you know, we'd do that. And I just, uh, I got, I derailed. And um, I, I got lost for about five years. So it's just because I'd lost that. My parents were no longer around. My family was no longer around. I just felt like that chapter of my life closed so abruptly that it just, 
I was already lost and it's just kind of, you know, the adding drugs and alcohol into the mix and, and uh, surrounding myself with people who didn't have my best interests in mind, just pretty much just sent me spiraling. And I just wandered around trying to find out who I was for about five years. And then later on in more recent history, you, you had back surgery and, and you had some, some reaction to that as well. Well, yeah, I was like, you know, here I'm at, I was getting up there in years and I was working on a ranch and uh, just clear brush and I hurt my back. What's the doctor he said, well, you know, here, take these, you know, and that's when they were giving out opioids, like, you know, yeah, take this. So I took it. It seemed to help. So uh, just kept, but it never got better. Kept struggling, trying to travel and do everything while taking these things, which is not really known for giving you a clear head. So I had to like, muscle through gigs sometimes because that stuff just puts you in such a fog and then i got a surgery i got finally got that take lined up and um got back out on the road like six weeks after surgery and funny enough we were right here in in rochester on tour and i uh my back just just went through the roof and so i went back and they were like okay you know i got back to texas they gave me all kinds of other stuff i was just like loaded up on things and they included like Lyrica and muscle relaxants. I was just so, but uh, I need another surgery, but couldn't make that happen in Texas. I knew it was going to need to take time off. So we came here to live with Barbara's family. And um, I started waiting around. It took a year for the uh, surgery to be okayed by insurance. And um, yeah, I, I got heavily addicted and um, very, very depressed, especially when the second surgery didn't take. It was a very dark period in my life, very dark period. Uh, I was so depressed. I was disconnected from all my people, like these people calling in. I used to see these people every day. I didn't, I'm pretty much, uh, I wouldn't say, uh, I'm not shy. I just don't like make a big deal about myself. So I kind of keep to myself, but not having my network around me, not performing, not getting that interaction with people. My soul got invaded by these, these chemicals and these thoughts I was having. And I, uh, I uh, just was freaking out. So they said, they tried, let's try one more thing. They put this nerve stimulator in my back saying that that would cut off the signals to my brain that I was in pain. I was like, that sounds good. Well, six weeks after they put that in, it got infected. They had to cut it out. And I had this staph infection, the same staph infection that killed my dad. So I'm just laying there in the hospital, recovering from that going, this has got to stop. I got to stop. This is it. This is my low period right here. And I got out of there and I started seeing my therapist and started doing acupuncture and um, learned to like internalize it. It's, it's called hypnotherapy where you have these quiet calming. It's basically meditation and, um, and all this stuff. It just started. I became accepting of the fact that I was going to be, I was going to hurt all the time the rest of my life. Because at first it's shocking. You don't really, you think you're old, but then you're got this chronic pain. So yeah, man, I, uh, I got through it. I, I, my mind got, I, I was really impressed with the amount of uh, soul searching I did as deep as I was able to dig to get through that. And um, acupuncture helped me get off the meds. So I didn't really have, I, I just weaned myself off till I got to the last stage. So, I, cause I even went to, a place to say, Hey, I want you to get me off these drugs. And they said, well, you buy them off the street. And I said, no, my doctor gives them to me. He said, we don't take people like that. I'm like, 
how am I supposed to do this? You know? <laughs> so anyway, I figured it out. Went a long way around to get it, but I feel great. I feel blessed. And um, my heart goes out to people who are going through the same thing. I know there's a lot of people. I mean, I go in those waiting rooms and it's incredible the amount of people that are in these pain management offices waiting to, and some of them just are barely moving. And so there are people who legitimately have probably just to even get up and down need that kind of, but I don't think it's the answer. It's just a bandaid. It doesn't do it. You got to learn to live with it. I have an uncle who's a, who he's, God bless his soul. He's, he's passed, but he was a dairy farmer in Vermont. He got up every day, went, did, took care of the cows, did his thing. And in his last days, he couldn't even walk. He had two canes, but he'd still get up on that tractor. And I was thinking, man, that he must have been in hell of pain. You know, a lot. I, I got to learn something from that, knowing that man. So I said, if he can do it, get by life with that, then you got to be, it's acceptance is the whole thing. Just like realizing that like, this is part of who you are now. You're not that other Kevin, the 25, 30 year old kid, who, you know, treated his body like a carnival ride, you know? You say that you uh, you would go into waiting rooms and you would see all of these people who are, suffering. And obviously, this is in the news now. This is a crisis in, in our country. What would you tell someone who is going through the same thing that, that you've gone through? What, what, what advice would you give them? I would say try alternative, you know, more holistic approach to medicine, because I actually worked as a receptionist at the clinic where I was getting treated, I volunteered to work there because I believe in so, so much in that. And a lot of people walked through that door and I, we shared the same story, got this chronic pain, tried everything, done all this drugs, blah, blah, blah. And acupuncture helps. It doesn't get rid of it. It's never going to go away, but it makes it, it just, if you can disconnect from the pain while you're sitting in with needles in your arms for like 45 minutes, that 40, that you could body can recharge so much off that, just having that pain dissipate. And there's, it's something about, you know, there's the chakras involved and you're kind of getting your, your soul lined up in your body again. And that's really important because these drugs just take your soul away. The cocaine did, opioids do. So try and steer away from anything that's going to not let you be the person who you really are. Perhaps we should also mention SAMHSA, the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. They have a national helpline, 1-800-662-HELP or 1-800-662-4357. And this is a confidential, free, 24-7 information service. It's in English and Spanish for individuals and family members facing mental and or substance abuse disorders. And this service provides uh, referrals to local treatment facilities, support groups, and community-based organizations and callers. They can also order free publications and, and other information. So maybe that might help some of the listeners. Absolutely. I would say that also having, because with depression, it's there's kind of shame attached to de being depressed. Severely depressed is like, you want people to remember you as being a lighthearted person, but when you don't have that to give anymore, you don't want to contact anybody that does, you know, and just let them see what you've become. I got, my therapist helped me so much because I had somebody to talk to. I was like, oh, I don't want to go to a therapist. I was also like, I don't want to go acupuncture because it scared me. But once I just turn myself over to it, it's, it makes all the difference in the world. Because you hear yourself say things and a therapist just listens. And then you hear yourself say things that start to make sense. And that's what really helps. 
So yeah, get, get some guidance. Definitely get some guidance. What are your plans for the future now? We wanted to play, uh, go out and have the comeback tour last summer, get started on it at least. So I've taken this time to work on some writing. I became more of a, I, I used to play guitar for a living and I just started, I wanted to play guitar again, electric guitar. So I've been working with what they call ambient music now, where I have these lush landscapes that I use that I build off uh, a variety of pedals. And uh, it's a lot of fun. It's like great escapism, but I'm also going to use it on a new record going forward because I think it builds these great, great, uh, these pads that instead of having like, I don't have a pedal steel guitar. I love pedal steel guitar. I have a friend who plays pedal steel guitar. He played on Find Your Shine. He's absolutely a genius, John Leon. But I'm going to try and get that feeling across with these pedals and just kind of give it that open airy thing that makes you feel like you are out in the desert Southwest. And for listeners that want to hear more of your music, where should they look for you? There's stuff on iTunes or Apple music, I guess as it's called now. There's stuff on YouTube at Bandcamp. I think it's on my name. I don't know, Barbara's uh, it's just go to Bandcamp and put my name in there. Uh, I'll be putting all the stuff that I've written over the years, not all of it, just, I'm just picking through it. Just kind of like showing my catalog. And then there's going to be a dust devils complete, with all kinds of lost recordings and stuff like that. We're just going to put everything we have up and not care if what the critics say or anything. Like I said, just let it be, you know, give it out there to the world, you know? What I'd like to do is end with a shout out to Good Intent, New Jersey and play Find Your <laughs> Find Your Shine. Would you like to introduce it for us? Find Your Shine. Yeah. Um, there was a, yeah, it's just a song about like, being happy where you are, you know, and um, it's funny, I, that song would come back to haunt me, you know, later on when I was all depressed, it's like Barbara's going, you wrote this song. And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, that's, that's my words. So yeah, it's about going, you know, trying to find a place where you could be happy and um, they're all over the country. You just got to go looking for them or you just look inside yourself really is what it's all about. Kevin Higgins, damn, I had a really good time. <laughs> and I'm so happy that you were able to take the time to speak with me. And, and again, I'd like to come full circle and play Find Your Shine. And thanks again. And I hope to hear from you again real soon. Appreciate what you're doing for all us artists, Marshall. Appreciate it. You've been listening to Mr. Radio, and I'm your host, Marshall. This program was written and produced by Marshall. Mr. Radio is available wherever you get your podcasts, including iTunes and Spotify. Subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. And don't forget to tune in next week for another episode of Mr. Radio. Said you missed your grandpa All those lessons that we give out of love Comes the time we learn to cut our losses 
Good luck, Mississippi. 